trying to be great And I'm on my way Welcome to the Ill Luminary Podcast, where we talk life and lessons learned from leaders and luminaries across different industries and discuss what it looks like for them to use their gifts, talents, creativity, passions, platform, resources, and energy to be a source of light in a dark world and a willing participant in the redemptive story unfolding across the earth despite being broken and in process themselves. This is a podcast for those who know they're not disqualified from being impactful just because they're imperfect. Hopefully what you hear today will encourage you along your journey and challenge you to embrace your opportunity to engage the world in a positive way and be a bright spot in the lives of those around you. On episode number one of the Illuminary Podcast, today we are talking with Show Baraka, um, one of my favorite hip-hop artists of all times, one of the most influential voices in my life over the past shoot 15 years or so. And so having him come and and have this conversation with me was uh, not only very enlightening, but it meant a lot. So I know that you guys are going to learn a lot as well, not only about who he is and what he does and what makes him special, but also how his story could actually impact your very own. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. Uh, It's my first episode ever, so give me some grace um, as we have some laughable moments throughout. Enjoy. My name is Whitley Dykes. I am your host coming today with one of my favorite artists of all times, a creative genius, a genius, he's such a genius, and uh, an activist, if you will, and uh, Show Barack is in the house. Welcome, bud. Woo, woo, woo. (laughs) What's going on? No, thank you for having me, man. Um, Thank you for taking the time. So Show came down here. I own a restaurant called The Irritable Bow in Auburn, Alabama, and he came down with his friend Nasia, um, who who really, you know, steers the ship, if I can be honest. Um, (laughs) She's going to say something. You, we're going to hear from her yeah. pretty soon into the podcast. Over or under 10 minutes. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going under 10 minutes. Uh, if y'all are talking at the same time, it's going to be way over 10 <laughs> minutes. Um, but he came down here uh, just to, to, for his new, for a book signing um, and just to spend some time doing a Let's Eat, was it, vlog? Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's, he's down here uh, spending some time with us and we're just super grateful to have him. So we're just going to talk about his life and, and what he's got going on and then hopefully you guys will get something out of this. I, so I came down here. Let me be a little more specific as well, because I want to shout you out. I came down here also to, to capture what you guys are doing here, because I believe, as you talked about, how are you stewarding your you know platform, your work, your vocation, et cetera, your calling? I think you are you know a great example of that, having a business that is a shining beacon in the community, not just doing good business, but also you know creating good culture. It's pretty funny. The first time I met I met Show, I was like, this is kind of a really neat experience for me because I've been listening to this guy for years. I think I, was, I think I said 2004 was the first time I, I heard heard your your stuff, and then since then you've been you've been in my earbuds. And I've got this playlist. I, I posted on Instagram the other day, but I got this thing called a relevant playlist. These things that are really relevant to the world around us and why it needs God, God's redemptive touch. Yeah. And listening to your music actually puts me in touch with and in tune with kind of God's calling to it to, to engage in a in a profound way. Amen. So I want you to kind of give us a rundown, like who you are, um, where you at in your journey right now, and how did you kind of get to where you are. All right. So first, for the folks who who yet to meet me, never seen me, I have the face of an Adonis and the body of Michael B. Jordan. So I am pretty it's it's tough to look me in my eyes and to stare at me because I'm just I'm just a really sexy person. 
uh, I have the talent of what, say, like an Andre 3000, the brain of uh, Steve Jobs. That's still living, though. And uh, <laughs> but the charity of like a Mother Teresa. Um, so I'm just I'm just an excellent person. I am an artist, author, uh, father, husband. Uh, you said activist. Um, I, I'm a professor too. I teach um, kind of like a hip hop, religion, faith course. Yeah, those are some of the things I do. I'm a filmmaker, a content creator. I usually I just kind of say I'm a polymath, and I do a lot of things when it, in in the areas of creativity. Because I don't like to like limit myself to just one thing, because it changes with the season. So I have about four. I should know this by. I should know this by now. I think I have five studio albums. Sinasia is back there. She's she's itching. I have. I've been in three um, feature films. I've been in commercials and voiceover work and stuff like that. Um, I just released my first book. Uh, he saw that it was good. That's what I was here today, kind of signing some folks who who purchased or came through and purchased the book. And so it's just been. Yeah, man. So the book talks a lot about how we can repair a broken world through our vocation, through our creativity and through our imagination. And so it's interesting. I'm excited to have this conversation to kind of like to talk about some of those things. So that's, you know, in a nutshell, that's kind of like who I am. I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I am originally from I was born in Canada, but I grew up most of my life in in California and for those people who are local listeners, because they know you or they're close here, I actually went to school at Tuskegee University, Tuskegee. TU, uh, but I actually used to work at Auburn for about a year. I walked what? at the Hotel and Conference Center. Word. Yes, when it, I think it was when they first built it, I worked at the Hotel and Conference Center. Wow. Yeah, so I, I have some history. Yeah, back when Auburn was literally like maybe three streets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the mayor said he wants to get about 100,000 people. There's about 70 right now, but 100,000 people here within the next like eight or nine years. There's goods. There's pros and cons to that. You know, obviously you, you, you want that small town feel. Yeah. And anytime growth happens in a place, it, growth brings new problems. Yeah. You know, whether that could be anything from like serious problems, whether it be crime or whatever. But it also can mean like just cluster and just uh, congestion and traffic and and you lose the intimacy. So I, I get it. You know, it's but I don't want you to have to you know give your whole rundown about your career. But basically, like what where did you get your start? Like how did how did Show Baraka the artist really break through? And how did people first start getting to know you? And uh, yeah, so I um so I went to Tuskegee. At Tuskegee, I became a Christian um, through campus outreach and also through my older brother who was a minister at a college campus in Texas at the time. So he was playing football at the University of North Texas. Uh, when he graduated, he decided not to pursue trying to like get signed by an NFL team. He's like, I just, you know, that's that's a chore in itself. You have to really, really commit. And he didn't know he was, he didn't think he was that committed. So he's like, I want to go into ministry. So he went into full-time ministry, became a college, a campus minister because that's how he became a Christian through college ministry. And he was like, man, I, I see the lives that these men and women have had on me. So I think I want to be that to other people. And so around that same time, uh, he was sharing the gospel with me, talking to me. I would go spend summers with him in Texas. Well, I knew that I was probably going to have to transfer schools. And when I decided that Tuskegee <laughs> wasn't gonna be it. I was thinking either Auburn yeah. or uh, University of North Texas because I kind of wanted to stay in the Tuskegee area because I had built some friendships. I got to know a lot of people. And then I saw how much Auburn was and I was like, that's eh, pretty much gonna be University of North Texas. <laughs> so I went out there, went out while I was out there. Now I am just now, imagine I'm just becoming a Christian and I'm just getting introduced to this thing called Christian hip hop. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had already been a, somebody who was 
concerned about social issues because my my mom was that type of person the kind of house i grew up in we were people who cared about social issues and so when i went to texas i got involved with the campus ministry and while there i was also uh in college ministry at the same time uh well on the campus you had individuals like lecrae you had individuals like tadashi and you had all these other individuals who were students at the university of north texas and so um we were a part of the same college ministry we were rapping and um i feel like i should stop now the first uh you know uh introduction i had to you or how, how i got to know you was um, I was also kind of early on in my conversion experience, which I actually walked away from the faith for a short time, um, but was from my discipleship leader, Ben Washer. Oh. I me to go out to KAA, and he's, he's I mean, essentially, I mean, him and Lecrae started reach. Yeah, yeah. So Ben was, so Ben moved to North Tech, to University, oh, sorry, he moved to Denton, Texas. Yeah. And Denton, Texas, they had a, uh, there's a church called Denton Bible Church, and they used to have this program called Young Guns. And Ben Washer was going through the program with Lecrae. And at that same time, like Lecrae, myself, and Tadashi were roommates. And we were all a part of this college ministry my brother had started called Plumline. So we were just rambunctious, obnoxious Christians for Jesus running around with graffiti shirts on or and just baggy jeans, just screaming 116, Unashamed of the Gospel. And Ben was uh, working at KAA. And Canucuck, he was trying to get Lecrae to just go down there and just, you know, do concerts. And what would happen was Lecrae would go do these shows or we would rap at these detention centers in the city. And then he would notice that these kids would leave and they didn't really have any good resources to leave with. And so Ben was like, hey, let me help you create an album, press it up, and we can give these out to the kids as they leave. And so from there, they did that. And then he was like, well, let's make this more official. And so him and Lecrae started, Ben Washington and Lecrae started the, the label, Reach Records. And at that point, they were like, well, hey, let's make another album called the 116 compilation. Because the 116 movement started way before there was ever a label. And so it was just really my, my brother-in-law, BJ, Lecrae, were <laughs> just dudes who were just walking around screaming how they were unashamed of the gospel. Uh, so the next album was the 116 compilation. That was just trying to highlight all the people who were a part of the group. And that was my first time actually rapping with them on, well, no, nah, because I was on Lecrae's first album. But that was my second time rapping um, and creating a song for the 116 Reach Records. And then after that, they were like, hey, you should do an album. It took me a couple of years to actually come to the decision that I would. 2007 is when I actually dropped my first album, uh, Turn My Life Up. And so that's kind of like, from there, I was just like, you know what, I was going to, just focused solely on film and television. I was like, well, the film and television can wait. I still have a passion for that. I'll do that as kind of like a side thing apart from the music. And, uh, you know, I guess you can say what, 14 years later, I'm still, I guess, kind of doing, known for my music. There are people who know me for other things, but yeah, here I am. Yeah, man, I, I love it. I mean, I think I think the older the older you get, the better your your music's gotten. I would agree. So gotten more outspoken. I think in the early days, everybody's kind of boxed in with what Christian hip hop is. Right, right, right. So like, what can I actually talk about? Do I literally have to talk about like salvation in every single song? At least that's what it kind of felt like. Yep. And so, um, so I remember I remember when Turn My Life came up because I was going to UAB. I was at UAB and I just had this encounter with God that like changed my life. I'd been listening to the music. Anyway, um, even though I'd walked away from God, but I had this encounter with God in the end of 2007, or at 2007, that like sh sh rocked my world, changed mm -hmm. me. I had this a vision of Christ crucified. I'm like, 
And in that moment, it's like everything that I'd ever heard about the gospel went from my head to my heart, and I was never the same person. Yeah. I wasn't perfect, but but your music and the music of Lecrae and, and, and everybody else at, at Reach at the time um, really, really helped me in my faith. It was one of my, I was spending my first year in China that Rebel came out, and it was just, it was like an anthem for me. So, um, but you've been a part of my, my journey for such a long time. So this is, Praise God. This, is this is super cool. But, um, you know, not harping too much on the past and, and, and where you've come from and everything. I want to get to back, get up to today. I want to get up to date right now and talk about your book. He saw that it was good. Um, I'm surprised it took you this long to actually get a book. I think you mentioned all these other things that you do and, and your hand is in, I feel like your hand is in so many things that I can't actually keep up, but everything that I see you do is like done with excellence. And so, yeah, you, your, your hand is a lot. So I guess I, it makes sense that you just now wrote a book, but could you tell us um, the premise of the book and um, and what inspired you to write it? So around 2010 is when my life began to kind of like, I started to figure out like the things that I want to talk about within the Christian space may be different from what other people want to talk about. To your point, like there's a, there's a, a posture of the what's emphasized in particular circles is just the idea that we share our faith. We share our faith. Right. Um, salvation, salvation, salvation. Amen. Yes, salvation is important. But what do people do once they get saved? Right. Like, what do we actually contribute to the world? Is it just we get saved and okay, back to living life as you knew it, or just praying and reading your Bible? And how does that, how do those spiritual disciplines impact your formation as a Christian? And so and then I also realized is I'm an artist. I'm not a pastor. And I felt like most of what Christian discipleship looked like was training me to be a pastor. Yeah. Yeah. And so is there is there a way to disciple people in a in a fashion that gives them tools to be marketplace missionary? I think that's why we're cut from the same cloth yeah. is because, what you know, when you were recording earlier and we had mentioned you know, what does it look like for the kingdom of heaven to be right here, right now? Mm -hmm. Not just getting people to heaven, because I feel like that's what the church is mostly. is like, how do we get these people saved? And then the four walls will disciple people and just keep them safe. We are ministers, and they're equipping us for ministry. How do we actually hit our, you know, go into the business world? And that's what this whole podcast is about is, I mean, you're, you're into hip-hop, and you, you have all these other avenues, and I want to talk to leaders who are like bringing transformation and impact to their specific industries their ministry is that industry yeah if you if you have the philosophy that everything you do impacts the world then um the gospel touches every area of life it's not just let me go to church give ties listen to what a pastor say and then i'll just wait till next sunday to be like engaged with the lord's word and his his people it's like no when i wake up on a monday i i, I like to think of it as god looking over the void and saying i need to create something that's good and then he creates you know the vegetation he creates the the animals he creates human beings and he and then he rests but then he recognizes that his creation is good but it's not just for his own um you know opulence or whatever it's because he recognizes that each thing plays a part in other the other things flourishing and that there's a responsibility to cultivate and continue to to bring blessing to this thing i think the same way with our vocation you wake up you go to your work you're like man i have an opportunity to look over the void and to produce good not just for my own benefit but for the people that i'm creating this product for or the people that are that i am trying to create a product uh, and, and invent something or contribute to something or to take care of something. So my book is pretty much a theology or ethic of work 
and creativity is how do you take the things that you make and use that for the glory of God and the benefit of other people. And everybody creates. This is not just for creatives. This is not just a book for people who have vocations that they're comfortable with. It's like, hey, this is what I'm going to be doing for the next 40 years. No, this is for everybody, even the stay-at-home mothers and fathers, even the people who are unemployed. You you participate in an activity, um, whether it be with your hands, whether it be with your mind, whether it's social. Like you are creating for somebody and no work is agnostic. So in some way, the things you do are informed by the God you believe in. And so I should be able to look at you and see how you work and see what you think about God. And so um, oftentimes what I see is people who are just going through the motions because they don't believe God cares about their day-to-day activity. He only cares about uh, the times when I'm praying, the times when I'm struggling, the times when I'm confessing sin or what I'm doing on Sunday or when I'm doing some some like socially good kind of work, something that's attached to some sort of social good. But no, like education, architecture, engineering, all of that stuff is God glorifying or it's it's offending to the Lord because you're creating in a way that could be detrimental to people. And so what I want people to do is to reconstitute, like to create a new framework for why you do what you do and how you engage the world and show through the book. I do this. I try to show people how people have done it well, how people have done it badly and how stories have shaped us and affect us in how we either work, how we see people, how we see our theology and how work is intrinsically connected to work, justice and work, how we work shapes the impact of marginalized, oppressed people, yes. groups, etc. What's the name? So this is a quote that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say, but it's, I'm gonna butcher it. But um, there's an Old Testament theologian, Christopher J. H. Wright. He basically says poverty is not accidental. Mm-hmm. He says it is caused, and it's usually caused because people are are uh, work and their actions are tied to the creation of poverty. So at the end of the day, when we look at you know the dumps in other countries that's not just happening because somebody was like hey yeah we want dumps in our backyard it's because somebody said no this is this is where we're going to dump our waste and and because of the wastefulness of probably one particular country or people they could use they can marginalize this particular group of people and dump their waste there and say what what are you going to do about it good work would say no like we're going to try to figure out how to create product and not waste Uh, dump waste in people's backyards because we recognize that this waste is going to contribute to disease it's going to kill livestock it's going to it's going to create more poverty and 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 degradation in these particular particular people's community and it's just a a shot at their dignity as human beings and so good work says no this is a problem with that and we need to figure out how to work better so that we don't create dump sites in somebody's backyard wow i mean i had had something something just now and you know lord willing it'll come back to me but um, I mean, one of the one of the reasons that we yeah, well, what I was going to say is this actually. So I think I think in in Christian culture, especially in the South, um, like I said, we focus so much on getting people to heaven that what it does is it creates like an escapist mindset. If you view it at the end like everything's going to burn anyway, it's kind of like well, let me get out of this. It's an escapist mindset or whatever, and and you're like, if my house is on fire, I'm not going to put it out. You know, and then like rebuild the walls and hang up beautiful paintings and do the staircase again. What mm-hmm. you're gonna do is you're gonna try to you're just gonna be like I'm okay and I'm just gonna get out. And how many people can I take with me? Um, I don't I don't I don't think that's what the kingdom of heaven looks like uh, personally. But um, one of the, my my daughter's name is Odea Arrowdykes, and so her first name Odea is essentially Hebrew for like an OTR, like a love song to God. And we named her that to remember just as a uh, we wanted to teach her that no matter what you do, no matter what what 
whether it's work, whether it's obeying your parents, whether it's play, whether it's whatever activity you're involved in, how you speak to people, the relationships that you form, it can all be a love song to God. It can all be worship. Worship is not accidental. Um, we want to raise her with that so that it's not about where you go to church. Hopefully you get get involved, but um, ho- hopefully... Um, like, I believe that, you know, it says the, you know, the, thro- the Lord is enthroned on the praises of his people. And I don't think that necessarily has to be just your words and be your works. And whenever you work with excellence as unto the Lord, it actually creates a pathway for God, people to encounter God in the work. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of theology around this idea of like work is worship. And yeah. so <laughs> oftentimes we see work as a penalty because what God says in, in Genesis chapter three, and the ground is cursed and et cetera. But he gave the responsibility to work and to cultivate before there was ever sin. And so the actions that the interaction between humans and God, human to one another and human to the land is all an act of worship. And so if this was a mandate before there was ever sin, then everything we are created for is worship unto the Lord. And it's to reflect that. And so, yes, the the simple fact that you guys are back there making dumps (laughs) and you're back there making bowels, like, you are working and acting as if you are made in the image of God because you're creating and that's worship and that's enough. And so when I tell people to go to work as as an as a form of worship, that's I'm I literally mean that like you are creating something that not only is going to help be therapeutic for your own self, because I believe that worship is not just an outward expression for somebody else, but it also is dignifying to you. That's why people. I was watching this TV show. Naja and I were watching this TV show. Uh, no, talking about this TV show uh, that we both watched called um, Not a Nine Str- Perfect Strangers on Hulu. It's uh, like a Nicole Kidman show, okay. and uh, it's a, this is a series. But there's this one character, and if you, it's not that it's not gonna it's not a spoiler. But there's this one character who wins the lottery. It's like a, a retreat. So it's like they all go on this retreat, and they're they're seeking help because their lives are in the shambles or whatever. But there's this one character who wins the lottery. And they they come to this revelation is like, man, I missed working. He said, I miss working like my life has had more meaning, even though I was broke and struggling. I just felt like I I was contributing to something. I felt like he didn't probably say this, but there was dignity in the fact that he was driving this truck to work every day. Now that he's rich and he doesn't have to work, he just felt empty. And 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 I think. God created us to be a part of something, to, to work, to be a part of activity, to contribute to this beautiful land we live on, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the moment we start to say, like, to remove ourselves from that activity, is uh, it's a very dangerous place to be. I, I agree. I mean, even if you look at, if you were to look at scriptures, Genesis 1, and you looked at it through the lens yeah. of, like, ancient Near Eastern thought, um, the what were the waters? The waters were an ancient enemy that needed to be overcome, and he who overcame those waters, he was God. And so mm-hmm. what he did was he... Where there was barrenness, he had brought fruitfulness. There was chaos, he brought order. Mm-hmm. And when there was, you know, he brought productivity yeah. where there wasn't. And so whenever, if what it means to be in the image of God is if we operate in that, it's, it's in our DNA. It's yeah. going to feed our soul. Yeah. You know, like with, even Jesus said, you know, it is, my, it is my food to do the will of the Father. Like there's something nourishing about actually walking out your calling. I think one of my favorite, you know, going back to how work is worship. And when you worship, it paves a way for for. God to be enthroned there for his ruler reign to manifest or for the people to encounter that. I love the story in, in Exodus where they're building the tabernacle uh-huh. and and he's putting the spirit on people to do all these seemingly minor tasks. And everybody's this everybody's like, oh well, you know, who's the priest? 
what's happening is these people without these craftsmen, without these people who right. who are creating, then the presence of God, the very glory of God, would have nowhere to even come and rest. Yeah. And so they paved the path. They not the priest, but they were the the, the art. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now I kind of talk about that in my book. It's crazy. And we're talk, I want you to mention some other books you might encourage. I mean, we're we're gonna highlight your book. Obviously, a big marketplace guy right now is Sean Boltz. Do you know him? Uh uh-uh. Um, he's a very prophetic kind of guy, and okay. um, even he's been a part of our journey. I remember reading a book. Um, it's called. <laughs> it sounds very like prosperity gospel, but it's it's uh, but it's not. It's gosh, what was it called? Keys to something or another. So basically, the premise of the book is. If you're, if you care about what God cares about, which is essentially Jesus receiving the fullness of His inheritance, all nations, and you are one in heart and service with that, He's not going to withhold the resources and the opportunities to actually let you participate in that story. Man. And I remember he, he was telling a story about how he got a free car. And my wife and I at this time we had been like, man, we we're early in our our food truck journey. I was like, man, I really, I want a van. I want a big old work van. I don't want one of these minivans. I don't want a truck because of this, this. I want a big old passenger van, right? Mm-hmm. We had been thinking that. And for months, we were thinking about, well, we don't have the money to do this. I was pulling it with this old 2004 car. And um, anyway, I read. I, I was reading that book in January. I put it down. And then in April or May, I picked it back up. And he was sharing a story about how he could have got a, a, a free car from someone and how that represented God's hand of blessing on their journey of where they're going, mm-hmm. right? And, and what he one of the statements that he made is, as you're reading this, God is preparing you to receive something of the nature like that. Mm-hmm. You know, not uh, speaking into existence kind of thing. But I was like, oh, that's interesting. Two days later, somebody gifted me a free van. Let's go. Right? And I'm just saying, like, God, just as kind of a wink from God. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. My hand is on your journey. So um, that's that's one of the books. He talks about Mark. And if you're listening to this right now, God is going to bless you with... <laughs> <laughs> With, with, with a book. <laughs> with a have. book, but you're, it's not going to be free, ladies and gentlemen. You have to go to Amazon and purchase it. <laughs> I, really, I really love your, your focus on this, but, but I want to talk about kind of how you got to the point of like, it's not, you, it's not just about getting people to heaven. It's about like, how do I actually be the most impact? Like, what made, you know what, let me, let me just skip all that. What made you care so much? Like, why do you care about social justice? Why do you care about, you know, people getting trash dumped on them and yeah. dignity and things like that? And then I'll move on to, to some lessons that you learned in, in your life. Yeah, I, I think it's a couple of things. One, like I said, my parents were concerned about these things. We grew up in, in a kind of like a, a house that con- concerned itself about these things. And when you, when you're concerned about justice, when the Lord puts these things on your heart and you kind of navigate through life, uh, you, you kind of look through things from that lens. So, uh, yeah, man, I think I grew up in a household that, that, taught me to be concerned about people who were on the margins so that's one the second thing was I didn't grow up with privilege all my life although I had money there were times when I had money when my parents divorced uh, my mother never really had a career because she thought my father was going to be there to provide for her all her life and so there were times when I lived in I guess you can say wealth if you will and there were times when I lived in poverty like on section eight government housing you know welfare because my mom never decided she was going to pursue a career and so this is how she what she needed to take care of her family and my father was out just living his life however and so i knew what it's like to live next door to people who were drug addicted i had family members i knew what it was like to 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 hear gunshots and so like when you come out of that you always frame the gospel from a different perspective like you you hopefully i think you frame what it means to be concerned and to care from a different perspective. When somebody talks about the gospel to me, it's not just about heaven. It's like, well, 
as Martin Luther King says, anybody can extol the mercies of heaven, but what about the, the earthly hell we live on? And so what does it mean for the gospel to impact the world I live in on a day-to-day -day basis? Did Jesus only want people to just understand that he was, you know, the, the coming Messiah and to confess that with their mouth and then just continue to live? No, he, he healed people because he realized that there, there was a physical connection to their, their, their spiritual understanding of him. And so I believe that anytime there's a gospel that is detached from the idea is that justice is in the here and now. I think that's a very incomplete gospel. And there's so many examples of Jesus interacting with people where he calls out the sin of the individual, but he also challenges the systems that are creating like marginalized people group, like his very presence in a, in the, you know, in the state of the Roman pharmaceutical state is an indictment on the power structures like he is a revolutionary but he's a revolutionary different than our worldly revolutionaries obviously because he's talking about not only this current state of madness and dysfunction but he's saying there's another world that's going to be coming that's going to make all things right right and there's not only a, a, a earthly judgment but there's going to be a, a a heavenly justice and so one great example is when he's you know the prostitute where he has an interaction with her she is about to be stoned and she is a prostitute so apparently there's a there's a there's an there's a there's a law against prostitution but the men are sleeping around as well and that's why he says well ye without sin cast the first stone and they can't cast the stone because they are guilty of the same sins that they want to indict this woman of and so he's basically saying he's like look at this system you guys are trying to exact justice on a woman that you guys do the same thing and but then he does look at the, the woman he says look sis you gotta stop prostituting yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and and so he does that he he interacts with people he says look i am the the, the way the truth the life do you want to do you want to be healed do you want everlasting waters do you want like i'm here to offer this eternal offer this eternal justice this eternal uh uh arrest but also i am concerned about your day-to-day -day life and so for me for people who who live in earthly hells they know like well I want to offer you something for the for the for the after, but also for the already, but not yet. It's like, what does it look like? What does it look like for me to interact in this particular space that you are coming from and you're arriving to? And so for me, that's where the justice come from. I, I, It didn't come immediately. It was just a process of growing up in a household where my, my parents were like, no, 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 you are black. But understand you exist in this world you're no less but be concerned about the historical implications of being black in this country but also understand that you are no less than anybody even though uh you've come across obstacles etc cetera, etc cetera. then uh, now that i'm i'm a christian i have a, a different perspective of oh what does it mean to be marginalized and to be caring for the people on the margins and also to, to love all people but challenge all people it doesn't mean like just because uh are, yeah, just to, to be aware of the challenging, but to, to not feel like uh, I have to hate people because before there, there was this disdain, but now there's this love, this emphasis of love with the challenge um, that, that extends grace and justice to these people. And so, um, yeah, man, it's just been, it's been a process. It's, and so I, I feel like I am still growing. It, it continues to, I guess you can say evolve in some sort of way, but I don't think there's a such thing as a gospel that is that is detached from a, ju a justice or a gospel that's detached from the concerns of people. What do you think that it means when the scriptures talk about, because um, this is this is something, I mean, if a man builds upon his foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, but mm -hmm. wood, hay, and stubble, and the wood, mm -hmm. hay, and stubble is going to be burned up. Like, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot. No, no, the you, yeah, yeah, you're deep. For real, for real, but like, what do you... 
Like when I, I that that came to my mind, and I'm like, what what do you think that actually means? And and does that mean something for our day to day? Is that just for for church folk, or what does that mean? So what is the context? Because brothers and sisters are. I'm glad we're going into this. Also, be thinking on this as well because right. you brought up you brought mm-hmm. up uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. and uh, he had a dream. And, <laughs> And I want, I want to know what your dream is. As well. uh-huh. like if you had a dream, it can be it can be related to, to, to social um, uh-huh. activity or, or, or justice or anything. But do you would you or maybe it's just being a good father and husband. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But think about that. All right. So let's go back. And then, you know, if this doesn't go well, we'll just edit it out. Um, <laughs> brothers and sisters, I cannot address you as people who live by the spirit, but as who those who are still worldly, worldly mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food for you are not ready for it. Indeed, indeed, you're still not ready. Um, you are still worldly, which mm-hmm. there's jealousy and quarreling among you. Um, wow, this is not, uh, didn't I say First Corinthians something? You did say First Corinthians 3. Where'd that go? First Corinthians 12. Aha! There it goes. Let me get up in here. <laughs> get up in there. Where'd it go? All right. Yeah, just anyway, nine chapters away. It's all good. <laughs> anyway, for we are co-workers, co-laborers. I believe in being a co-laborer. Um, you are God's field, God's building. Okay. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building upon it, but each one of you should build with care for no one can lay a foundation other than one already laid which is Jesus Christ if anyone builds on this foundation using gold silver and costly stones wood haze straw their work will be shown for what it is because the day because the day will bring it to light if it will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work yeah if what has been built survives the builder will receive a reward if it is burned up the builder will suffer loss but will yet be saved and even even though it's only one escaping through the fire. So, yeah. you know so, what I mean? Woo. Yeah, so that's a lot. So here's the um, here's the one thing that I, uh, and for those theologians listening, they can correct me. I think one of the things that I do remember about Corinthians is Paul is dealing with a lot of false prophets who are speaking to the church. So what's happening is Paul has helped build this church and these other, other people who are coming behind him saying, no, 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 that's not really what it means. This is what it means, blah, 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 blah. And Paul is like wrestling with these, these, these folks that he's given his life to saying like, nah, like you guys got to understand we who've walked with or who, who know Jesus, who've been called by Jesus are giving you the truth. These other folks are just giving you faulty foundations. And if you build on these faulty foundations, they will not last. And so God will bring damnation, judgment. Uh, he will bring his fire and we will see what is pure. And I think oftentimes what happens is, and he calls them, he says, you're worldly, you, et cetera. There's this, and the Corinthian church has, a, there's a lot of indictment around their worldliness, right? It's funny because Paul, Paul is very nuanced, let's just say that, because he'll talk to the Galatians who are too uh, legalistic and he'll say, y'all need to loosen up <laughs> like you didn't come to the Lord through law. You came to the Lord through grace and you guys are trying to keep it through law, et cetera, et cetera. He talks to the Corinthian church. He said, y'all are too loose. <laughs> y'all, exactly, exactly, yeah. y'all need some law. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And so he's saying you have these prophets and these 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 um, these people who are coming in there duping you and just understand like all things are permissible but not all things are beneficial and so when i think about today i think there are um there are different types of people there are folks who are like the galatians who are very extremely legalistic and they need some grace they need to understand like no have a beer (laughs) you know what i'm saying and then there are people like you need to put down the beer and understand that there is restrictions like freedom comes with restrictions and uh and so I would say that foundation is there's a truth that is God has communicated and that truth will be tested throughout time. And as we're talking about gospel, what does that mean? I don't make music and just to make it to, to move it to like a creative perspective. I think that 
there is a truth that all artists should live by. Like Jesus is, you know, God is God. Jesus is the redeemer of all things. Sin is the problem. But once you try to deviate outside of what the real solution and what this real problems are, that's when you get into some murky waters. But that doesn't mean every song I create has to be about salvation or it has to be about God being the father. Um, there's a guy named T-Bone Burnett, famous singer and songwriter. T-Bone. T-Bone, I'm sorry. T-Bone uh, Burnett. Yeah, and yeah. so uh, he um, has this quote. He says, I can either write songs about the sun or I can write songs about what the sun helps me see. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes I think that is a very good perspective from the Christian posture. It's like I can write songs about Jesus or I can write songs about what Jesus helps me see. And as long as I don't violate Jesus is Lord, as long as I don't violate the gospel as being the true source of salvation or Jesus being the true source of salvation unto man and uh, reconciling God to human beings or trying to like like change what sin is then you know it's I, there's freedom in that there's liberty in that and i think you have a foundation and if you build a, a, a house on a foundation that is solid gospel then i think you're good the moment you start to deviate that then god will test it and we'll see what you know what makes it through the refiner's fire if you will have you ever gone do you, do you ever look back at your life and your journey and be like man I, this is a time where i was deviating from that um and yes so how did god kind of get you back on track there were times when i was on both sides there were times when i was too legalistic mm -hmm. and there were times when i was too licentious mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh i think there were times the, the early in my rap career i was very legalistic in a sense that i felt like if you were a christian you should not do songs with non-believers um, you shouldn't there are certain things you shouldn't talk about there are certain things you shouldn't um and so but then you know i kind of I, I moved away from that because i felt like there were things that i was reading uh experiences that i was that i was having and just i felt like the lord the more i understood the gospel as, as something that just wasn't about um like my activity but it was more about identity it's like man god is changing or reconciling me to he who he is mm -hmm. and the the true identity of being made in his image versus like someone who's a who steals or someone who lies because guess what we're sinners and we're going to still lie we're going to steal some people are going to have affairs people are going to do these things but does that mean that you no longer love god like you can all there's always reconciliation there's always grace and that doesn't change your identity uh, unless you are at the point where you're like I'm done altogether, all and I do feel there were moments in my life when I was too licentious where I took the grace of God for granted, and at the end of the day, both of them take into account who you take yourself you you take yourself into more account than you should, mm -hmm. and that's what humility is. It's not it's not that uh, people shouldn't consider themselves. It's just I shouldn't consider I shouldn't think of myself as much as I do. And so when you're being too prideful, it's like well people should live up to my standard of what it means to be a Christian. And then when you're living too licentious, you're at this point where it's like, well, I, I want my particular freedoms. And I think I was at a place where I was like, look, man, um, God doesn't really, I mean, I feel like I should be able to do these things. But I do think once you have this, this good calibration of who Jesus is, it humbles you. You know what I'm saying? It brings you back to a place where I can engage the world and not be overtaken by it. Um, and then there's the other side where I was like, I'm afraid of the world. I feel like the world is too tainted and I'm isolate myself from it. And God has never called us to do that either. Um, rather than being assimilated into the world or trying to avoid or isolate myself from the world, it's how do I engage the world? How do I, how do I inter interact with the world with the spirit 
and believe that God's spirit in me will keep me. All right, all right, all right, all right. Look, let's take a break real quick to talk about Anchor. Um, when I was starting this podcast, I had all sorts of questions like, how the heck am I going to get this thing off the ground? How do I even record it? How do I get uh, it on platforms that people actually listen to? And the answer is simple. It was actually Anchor. I found Anchor and it's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your own podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free, which was great for me, and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can actually get paid to podcast right away. Um, I'm loving it so far, and I can't wait to record more and more episodes with this. Um, So if you've always wanted to start your podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and this diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Now let's pop back into the show with show and uh, start talking some music and stuff. All right, let's talk your music first. Out of all your music... What is your favorite song that you've made? Um, and uh, it doesn't have to be the most. What is your most impactful song? All right. And yeah, yeah, what yeah. Thing, is there like a lyric that you, you'll still chuckle about today? You're like, that was good. So I don't have a favorite song. Well, my favorite, I do have a favorite album. My favorite, uh, there's two. My favorite album is The Narrative. My s- second behind my, my second album after that is probably my High Society Collective album that I did with uh, yeah. some other artists. Yeah. It was the, the, the easiest album I've ever made too. Cause it was just, there was zero expectation. We were literally, we probably spent three sessions in the studio maybe and made that album. It was really like, yeah, it was easy. And it was just like, hey, great collaboration. Myself, Swoop, Natalie Lauren and uh, and JR. So, or Courtney Orlando is now his name. So those two are my favorite albums. Though I do like other albums that I've done. Those are definitely my two favorite albums uh i don't have a favorite song but there are songs that i love um now the most impactful song and this it's usually there's two songs that come to mind and they're mainly because it's the type of songs that people who are not even fans of mine somehow they get a hold of it and they just reach out to me and they be like this song made me cry this song Mm -hmm. And it's usually songs about my my boys, uh, about autism. Um, One song is I Don't Have an Answer that I did with Propaganda and Propaganda. And the other one is Words. I've had literally like organizations who don't like, they're like, I don't know who you are, but we've heard this song and we want to either have you come speak. We want to use it. We want like our parent hit me up and like, thank you so much for making this song. I cried. I don't even listen to rap, but this song. So yeah, those two songs are probably... And even if they're not the most impactful, those are the two songs that I feel like I get consistent responses from, and it seems to be emotional responses. Now, I get a lot of people who are like, man, this song was hard, the lyrics, man, the bars, but like those songs. And then I get a lot of like marriage songs and, you know, um, yeah, like the So Many Feelings album. Mm -hmm people will respond to that too which was the album i did with vanessa hill but yeah, I was, yeah. so I bet, why don't you do this why right. don't you say a lyric and uh-huh. see if i know what it is what song it's from oh i know you're not gonna get this i'm gonna go with an easy one okay. i'm gonna go with an easy one look all right here goes the first one and these are lyrics that these are lyrics that uh that that usually get a lot of response from people so the first one is um i'll never ever forget what my older brother said you can be a dreamer but don't live in your bed 
Oh, I know that too. Can you rap it like you would? Can you can you say it like you did on the album? Uh, I can get close to it, okay. but I you know, I'll never ever forget what my older brother said. You can be a dreamer, but don't live in your bed. Uh, I very much, very much know that lyric. I mean, I've, I've okay. heard that song a thousand times. But that's uh my life off of uh the turn my life. I mean uh lines of liars. Um, let me go with another lyric. Uh, there's little pressure here, so um. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, dog on. Uh, all right. Here we go. Here we go. All right, I'm gonna give you this season. I'm gonna give you this season one. Welcome to the culture where humility is not allowed. If you don't believe that, then you're shallow. How? No, 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 no. I messed up. I messed up. I messed up. Welcome to the culture where humility is not allowed. They do it big. If you don't believe that, then you're shallow. How? Okay, bro. That's deep. Okay, um, <laughs> I don't know. Dang it. I'll give you another lyric from that okay. same song. Uh, give, me the, give me the verse. Give me the whole verse, and that might be what it needs to be because it, out of context, it is kind of hard Something like, I don't know the first, I can't okay. remember the first part of the lyric, but it's like, if they call us losers, that just means we last forever. Yeah, I do remember that. I do remember that. <laughs> it's just hard to pinpoint the song. Which, I, this makes me, this makes me upset because I think it, no matter, no matter who it would be, I, Unless that song was kind of like, if, if the song came on, I, I could quote it. But then, yeah, okay. first line I gave you, the one about the yeah. shallow howl line, that starts the verse off. That starts the verse off. It's like, welcome to the culture where humility is not allowed. If you can't see that, then you must be shallow how. Uh, I'm not saying it right. Can you say what is it? How is it? You matter of fact, you won because it's been past ten minutes and you've spoken. So oh, wow. good job. Well, I mean, you know what? So that was that song was "Power" by Lecrae. It, it does go hard. That's but one, one of my, my favorite favorites. Lecrae songs. Is it really? Yes. Man, I mean, it's a good song. It's a good song. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm, I don't know why. I'm this is crazy because now I can't think of. I I know what lyrics I want to say, but I can't think of how to how to. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I just I'm a, I'm sitting here butchering my own lyrics, which is crazy. Who is, who's your favorite? Who's your, you know when you hear your favorite artist, favorite artist, like I want to know who your favorite artist is. Um, is there one song that resonates with you more than others? Um, think think hip hop world. Okay, because I was not thinking hip hop right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, and you can go on the, and tell me that other one as well. And then I have three usually. With, you're like this was the funnest thing I've ever done, working with this person. Okay. All right, so uh, hip hop influences. Yes. People, I mean, Kanye has always been somebody I looked at, and I was like, the way he he the, the level of concern, care and intentionality he puts towards his his work throughout his the start of his career even to now like you, you don't have to necessarily like everything he does but you know there is an obsession about work that i think we should have like and some people can take it too far and i think times when kanye probably takes it too far um there can be a bit of narcissism there i think there's there are things about him that are are overboard like there's the there's a uh there's an excessiveness about his candor. There's an excessiveness about his 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 self-reflection. But I also feel like there's not enough candor in some of our music, like our, our art. Like there is too much of us not being authentically who we are and saying what we really mean. But then there's also a sense that people don't really put the time and effort into the music. Like he'll make a song and then he'll make 45 iterations of that song because he's like, I'm looking for, and I think there's a level of obsession to that that is not healthy, but I also feel like there are people who, I'm like, you should probably put a couple more hours into this. <laughs> like you, it sounds like you just really just went to the studio in one day and made it and you just put it out. Like I, 
Like folks who talk about they freestyle, like I don't ever write. I just freestyle. I'm like, I can tell. Yeah. I can tell you freestyle because there's nothing significant about this. Like it doesn't feel, uh, it doesn't hit me in any way. Um, so anyway, um, I just, uh, he's an inspiration in, in many different ways. And the creative risk he take, I think he, he, he takes, I think is inspiring, man. I think it's, it's challenging, but even just the level of care. That's one. Um, I love I love a lot of artists like so John Mayer is another artist I love but then there are other hip hop artists like Anderson Pack I love Anderson Pack who's a new dude he's dope uh, uh, who else is uh, Kendrick Lamar uh, yeah I mean I think he the, the I like Kendrick from on so many different levels one I I genuinely think he does not con he's not concerned with fame right he retreats he disappears he's consumed with his art his music and he comes out he gives people art and i just yeah i just think kendrick is is talented on so many different levels and he's himself you know he, he's not moved by the trends there's certain artists and this is no sh knock on drake there are certain artists who knows how to carry who who know how to follow waves and trends mm -hmm. and drake is exceptional at that and he's he's ever present yeah. So he's it's like he never goes away, right. and very few artists can always be present and still make good music. In the in the in the Christian hip hop world, I mean, I I hear Lecrae, and I feel like Lecrae is like he, yeah, he follows trends as well. Like, yeah, but not not in a hey, I'm in a corny way. Yeah, corny he way, he's that kind of chameleon, and yeah, I think very yeah. few people yeah. can can follow a trend, make it their own, yes. and like do it well. And Drake is that artist. Lecrae, I would say, is that kind of artist. Mm -hmm. Um, but there are artists who are like, I don't I don't do that. I I. I am who I am, and you're going to appreciate what I the offering I have to you in my style. Yeah. And Kendrick is that. Like yeah. Kendrick's a culture sh a culture shaker, not a not a cultivator. He's like I am a culture maker. I present to you what the culture is. There are other artists who are like, well, is this what's happening? Well, here I'm going to cultivate within what's happening. What about the question I said? Um, also, like, there's what about a project that you've been involved with, and you're like, um, this is probably the most fun. Or the only thing, I, the only one I can come off the top of my head, I'm sure somebody, I mean. I don't know. I could probably think of something, but the High Society album is probably the only one I can think of that was. Um, I mean, I love my own personal projects because the people I work with, like the producers, like Jamie Portier and Nate, those guys are. I love working with those individuals. Like we make the kind of music we know each other, so it's easy to make music with them. Um, but if outside of my music, outside of my own album, I would say the High Society album was probably the most fun. All right, let me rapid fire, and then I'm gonna maybe ask you like a. One or two questions, kind of wrap up. I know you guys got to get back to Atlanta, and, and I'm so grateful for your time. Okay, all right, let's do rapid fire. Okay, all right. off the dome. Okay, you ready? But a good like seven, eight, ten minutes of that was me trying to figure out lyrics too. So That's, that, is, <laughs> that is true. Okay, and we can definitely edit that. Sarah got a lot of cutting. She has a lot of like uhs and let me think. Like, hold on, give me a second. Quick. Favorite author, go. Tony Morrison. Okay. Uh, favorite athlete. Kobe Bryant. Sports team, Lakers. Lakers. Well, right now, yeah, the Lakers historically, yes, but right now, I probably have to say, it's uh, Manchester City, the English Premier League. Yeah. Oh, okay. You are all over the place. Fashionista or somebody or fashion influencer who's uh, I don't know. There, there might not even be a word. Yeah. No. Um. I don't know if I. Let me think. Let me think. Do I have a? There's probably just a bunch of dudes on Instagram that I don't know their names. I just follow them. And I look at like what they, how they put outfits together. You know, this is not, this is the last, I'm just going to wrap up with this one. Um, you've been here long enough, but what, what current season do you find yourself in and what kind of life lessons are you, are you learning at this stage? Um, I mean, you're, you're very open and transparent in your music and you've been 
I mean, you're old. Um, so yeah, it kind of carries. Very it's like odd. I can look back, but I can like like you said with when I remember first hearing about your 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 son, your first son, like in your music and things like that, and the, the personal like struggle but joy that you found in it and everything. Um, like yeah, so I mean now this is what you're. How, I don't want to tell you. You're 42. You said right. Yeah. 42. Uh-huh. 2021. Um, you just released a book, but like, what are you learning right now? Where does yeah? What's is anything pressing on you or? There's all kind of things pressing on me. So I am no longer at the stage where it's just my life. Um, I mean, obviously you have children, you, you know, you, you think like, Oh no, I'm living for me and my wife, my kids. But no, I'm really at a point where I realize no, like my daughter is 16 years old. Yeah. And so, and so now it's like, well, how do I, I really have to be mindful that I am, about to send another adult into the world and what does it mean for me so now i've found myself being a lot more intentional about spending time with her helping her to become the individual she thinks she wants to be but then even like trying to help her to to wrestle through what i think she should probably do and um i used to kind of be of the ilk well it's like no let the children let them figure it out now i'm like nope I'm going to help you figure it out because yeah. Yeah. you've yeah. taken too long to try to figure it out. So now I got to kind of push you in a direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but also my wife, I realized that there, my wife has deep insecurities and it's, and it probably, I, I need to help her overcome some of those insecurities. And so um, helping her to become a better, not only a better artist and a better creative, but just a better human being and loving her in a way that, that opens her up to, I think the greatness that she is. And so I think it's, I will say (laughs) this crazy Um, leading, trying to be a leader and also trying to lead a legacy. And uh, I recognize that there are still things about me that I really want to live out and I want to flourish in my own areas. But also want, as you say, like I'm 42. I I recognize my career is kind of my rap career. My hip hop career is probably at the place where it's, doesn't mean it's over because hip hop people can still make music, but I also do want to like leave a legacy for people. Does that mean like taking artists under my wing? Yeah, but it also can mean in how I make music and how I talk about issues, help people see how they can also address culture, how they can engage culture, how they can be themselves in lanes that I may have helped pave, but I didn't get to see the full flourishing of that that lane paving. But those who follow behind me can probably benefit from it. And uh, also lead a legacy for my family and my daughter and my kids to, to, to you know. And I just try to create paths for other people who I partner and work with to, to be great and do things that they try to, they believe in. So I think that's, um, I think that's, yeah, that's, that's who I am. That's where I am. Just trying to figure out how to stick to some things, and 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 flesh those things out for the. For it's I'm it's done. I'm done trying to figure out who I am. Yeah. I know who I am. Right. Now let's stick to those things and just be great. Show. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. What? Where can where can our listeners find you? Uh, find more information on you. And Look at you sounding like a professional podcaster. <laughs> like this. Like this is your 18th podcast. Um, <laughs> Hopefully you just follow me on social media on all platforms. Just like it's like M I Show Baraka S H O B A R A K A, 
And uh, my website is barakaology.com. It's new. The links will be on below. And the, so the links will be below. On. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. The links will be below. Heck yeah. <laughs> episode one. How did I How did I score somebody like show on my first episode? It's only uphill from here. But it's now, only uphill from here. 